Folks, you know what time it is. It's 1 p.m. on Saturday. It's time for the Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM. Folks, I'm Sam DeMarco, your host for the Elephant in the Room, joined by, again, my trusty sidekick, John Schneider, the best executive director we have here in the entire state. Thanks, Sam. Serving here in Allegheny County. You're welcome, John. Happy to and, be here. And our producer, Dazzling, Daryl Grandy, the man who makes all the magic happen. Good to see you, Sam. Good to see you. Good to see you, too, John. Oh, so, folks, we have a great show for you today because, let's face it, we're only you know three days away from the May 16th primary election here. And uh, there is a lot of exciting things going on here, and uh, I want to talk about a little bit of those today. So, John, mm. I'm going to start... I want. Uh, with a message to our listeners. Okay. Okay. And uh, while I know that we have listeners across the spectrum, Republicans, Democrats, independents, I want to speak directly to our fellow Republicans, the ones who are going to be voting on Tuesday in this primary one. If you're a registered Republican, please go out and vote. Mm -hmm. Please. It's absolutely essential. And when you go to the polls, I want you to keep these things in mind. Okay. This 2023 primary election will have important ramifications for Allegheny County. As such, it's more important than ever that we unify as a party to select the best possible candidates to face the historically left-leaning candidates the Democratic Party is preparing to run. Folks, the future is in our hands. Our endorsed judicial candidates for statewide judicial seats are all fair, prudent jurists who share our conservative values and possess exemplary judicial records. They are well-positioned to prevail in the statewide general election this fall, and more importantly, to uphold the rule of law while respecting the Pennsylvania Constitution. In order to ensure we have common-sense conservatives elected to the statewide bench, it is crucial that we elect Judge Carolyn Carluccio, the PA Supreme Court, Maria Batista and Judge Harry Smale Jr. for Superior Court, and Megan Martin for Commonwealth Court. And now... This is going to be the year we bring an end to one-party rule in Allegheny County by electing Joe Rocky as our county executive. Joe's not a career politician. He's never a politician, period. He's a successful businessman and common-sense problem solver. Joe understands that Allegheny County needs practical solutions, not more partisan politics. You know, as I've shared before on the show, and you've heard directly from Joe, He's a former chief risk officer for PNC Financial. Here's a guy who has managed thousands of employees and has managed billion-dollar budgets. The job of a county executive isn't something that's too big for him. The job is something that he's been actually trained for and, and, and has proven that he can do. And we also have two extraordinary candidates running for row offices in Allegheny County with Herb Olinger running a write-in campaign for county treasurer. You spell Herb's last name, O-H-L-I-G-E-R. And you have Bob Howard, former treasurer for another Fortune 500 company. He was a treasurer for PPG Europe. And uh, he's running a write-in campaign for county controller. Now, folks, your support is crucial in ensuring we have candidates who will hold Democrats accountable in the fall. And I hope that when you go to the polls, you write their names in. And also, Allegheny County Council plays an important role in our local government. And we've been in the news lately. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But our Republican candidates are focused on a responsive, efficient county government that will serve county residents with great public services, with responsible and low taxes. You know, I will humbly ask for your support for county council at large. It goes a long way toward ensuring 
that our government, our governing philosophy endorsed. And I would also ask for your support for Suzanne Filiaggi in District 2, Mike Imbrescia in District 5, Todd McCollum 13. in District 13, and Eileen Cunningham in District 11. 11. And Sean McGrath. And Sean McGrath District six. in District 6. <clears throat> so folks, you know, please, when you go to the polls, please take and write these folks in or, or, or vote for them if they're on the ballot there. Uh, it's important that we put a put forward a slate of reasonable, sane individuals that can get things done. So uh, I wanted to get that out of the way, sort of a call to action yeah. to ask our Republicans to go out and vote and to tell them who to vote for. And we should also like encourage them to do a little research on their school board candidates. Because mm-hmm. as uh, some of our listeners may not know, you can cross-file in the primary election here. So that means you're going to have some Democrats on the Republican uh, ballot and you're going to have some Republicans on the Democrat ballot. So it's important for you to know who who either your local committee s- supports or endorses and who actually is a Republican. No, John, that, that, that's an excellent point. You know, we got to get these folks out and they have to uh, have to do the research to understand who the folks are. And, and you know, I don't have the, the breakout for all of these school districts. I can talk about one. Sure. I mean, I know the North Allegheny School District, okay? Uh, when you go to North Allegheny School District, you want to vote for Janet Redwing Sidor, S-I-D-O-R, Libby Blackburn, Marcy Crow, Kate Matz, and Michael Weniger. okay? Folks, if you're in the North Allegheny School District, these are folks that are determined to take and ensure that your child gets an excellent education, that they have the resources necessary to provide that education and to keep your taxes low and watch out for you as a taxpayer. So folks, I urge you to support those folks. And a lot and, of our local, I was going to say a lot of our local committees, uh, committees have Facebook pages that, sh- that, mm-hmm. you know, promote their endorsed candidates. Please, please check those out too, if you're unsure. Yeah. I would urge you to look at whatever municipality that you're in. You may want to just do a search on Facebook yeah. for your local Republican committee where you can learn who those folks are. If you have other questions about the candidates that we have, you can always go to our website, www.allegheny.gop, where you have the ability to find you know the candidates that we recommend here uh, for the primary, and which many of them, which I just went over yeah. a little bit earlier in the show. So, you know, John, we talk about that. That's where we're at right now. Yeah. And my gosh, before I even go in to starting to talk about some of the insanity that we're seeing in the Democratic primary here in it's going to take place on Tuesday. I need to alert folks. Uh, folks, I was received a call from a law enforcement official a little bit earlier telling me that city of Pittsburgh uh, police, EMS, and others were on standby and preparing for an influx of migrants coming to here in Pittsburgh from Texas. So as we all know, the disaster that is Joe Biden and his administration and the havoc it is wreaking upon our country and our economy, we're already dealing with problems here in Allegheny County in regards to homelessness, crime, and things of that nature. I mean, they can't even clean the streets downtown, you know, uh, let alone address these other issues. And yet we're going to be receiving, you know, uh, I w- the number that was given to me, it's not definitive, was around 1,000, you know, migrants here. So, folks, our local area is going to be impacted by the mess that's the southern border based upon uh, Biden administration allowing Title 42 to expire. Uh, these are things you need to take into consideration. There's a lot of people out there, much like myself, who aren't happy 
with the direction of this country and the way things are going. And you have other folks out there that just throw their hands up in the air and say, I, you know, they give up because they don't know what they can do that can make a difference. Well, before you throw your hands up in the air and give up, please go out and vote, okay? That's the one definitive thing that you can do to make your voice heard and to try to make a difference. So I, I, I want to urge you to do that. I wanted to alert you <clears throat> to what was potentially happening here. And, you know, by the time you hear this, you'll probably see more on your uh, evening news, your local news here, you know, regarding that. So I wanted to make you aware of that. A couple other things here. Uh, many of the folks, John, on the Republican side, you know, they're very unhappy with the mail-in ballots, mail-in voting, uh, and, you know, Act 77. Yes. And I get all that, Okay. <clears throat> but while it's here, I've talked many times on this show about our need to use it. Yeah. But it's also changed the way elections are held and, 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 and how they work. In the past, I mean, we've all heard of the term October surprise. Yeah. An October surprise was where something would be dropped by an opponent at the last minute in October that would sway an election. Kind of like the Fetterman debate. Fetterman well, debate. right. But the problem is, with this mail-in ballots, these things don't have the same effect. And that's not necessarily a good thing. In the past, you had candidates that were able to close strong mm -hmm. and make up a gap. Yeah. But with the mail-in ballots and so much of the vote being in early, I don't know that these folks have that same ability. You know, <clears throat> a couple examples. I mean, let's talk about, uh, you know, county council. Yeah. I talked about them before, right? Just this past Tuesday... Councilwoman Bethany Hallam is the chairwoman of the Government Reform Committee, rammed through a bill to take and increase the county minimum wage to $20 an hour. Now, folks, $20 an hour, it, you know, may not seem like a lot, but this is for seasonal part-time workers. You know, the kids at the, the, the lifeguards, the lady that just sits there and collects the $5 admission or when you go into the wave pool and things like that. And I presented that that was going to cost us at least $10 million in direct costs. And the county manager reported that it was going to cost $31 million wow. in compression costs. Now, uh, Hallam didn't care. She doesn't care, okay? She's never cared about the taxpayer, all right? The only one I've ever had her, ever heard her express concern for was the people in the jail, hmm. okay? She's never expressed a concern for the victims yeah. of the crimes that those folks committed to get in the jail. But it's all about the folks that are incarcerated in the jail. Now, she rams through this bill. So the following day, the county executive issues a press release saying that the folks that supported that bill just inadvertently voted you know, to increase taxes on the property tax owners in Allegheny County by $31 million, the largest tax increase we'll have ever had. Okay, So you would think that voters that are paying attention would look at this and say, you know what, I, I, I'm done with her. You know, you can't. You know, you can't have be out there on a video sexually assaulting a male. You can't be out there, you know, having been arrested for selling a controlled substance to a police officer. You can't be out there advocating for a riot and saying you want to burn police cars. You can't be out there doing half the crazy things they've done. But folks, you know, here we are with the mail-in ballots. Half that vote may have already been in. You know, her opponent Joanna Dovin, who's on television went on television yesterday on Friday and will be on television through the uh, through the, the election day, will it be enough yeah. for her to make a difference? So yeah, so we have that, okay, John? And that's very unprecedented 
in a county council race. Oh, and, and, absolutely unprecedented, right? So you worry, so we worry about that, okay? Then you also have Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and I think WESA. I think Chris Potter from WESA actually broke the story. <clears throat> but let's talk about the candidate for the district attorney's office. Yeah. Matt Dugan, chief public defender challenging uh, district attorney Steve Zappella. <clears throat> Excuse me. When Dugan came out and announced that he was running, he was going to run for district attorney back in January, I was quoted in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette as being concerned that what we were going to get was another Larry Krasner-type district attorney in Philadelphia. And folks, anybody that pays any attention can see the crime going on across the country, okay, that's out of control. In Philadelphia, you have record homicides, 550 homicides. You have over 1,000 carjackings last year. I mean, it is out of control. You know, the, the, the Walking Dead, that zombie series, John? Yeah. I'll tell you what, that looks fake compared to what you see in the Kensington area <laughs> of Philadelphia with all the folks that are on drugs, okay, and addicted. Now, you look at across the country, we look at where the wor- crime is the worst. L.A. under George Gascon. You know, St. Louis under Kim Gardner. You know, uh, Chicago under Kimberly Fox. Okay, New York under Alvin Bragg, Philadelphia under Larry Krasner. What do all these places have in common? They're all run by Democratic DAs that were elected and given money by George Soros. So when the news breaks the other day that Matt Dugan, who's challenging Zapala, has received $734,000 in in-kind contributions okay, from a PAC whose sole donor is George Soros, Okay, that gives me concern. It's almost 10 times the amount of money he's raised himself, right? George Soros, folks, is trying to buy the district attorney's office in Allegheny County. And if you're paying any attention to what's going on across this country, you should be aware that this isn't the type of criminal justice you want to see here in Allegheny County. So that's why, John, uh, Governor Corbett, former Governor Corbett, wrote a letter that I put in the newsletter uh, yesterday, uh, talking about uh, he's urging Republicans to take and in, in write in Steve Zapala's name, you know, on the Republican ballot as a district attorney, and uh, you know I would urge them to do the same. Yeah, you know I think that you know Zapala, there are folks that do not like him. I get it, the whole mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, uh, but I think that he has done a very good job in trying to take and keep this area as safe by prosecuting, you know, the criminals. Understanding, I mean, he's told me directly that we can't coddle these folks, okay? And uh, you know, so I look forward to after the primary to seeing what are new initiatives that he may be taking and introducing to try to address the rising crime here in the county and uh, some of these other challenges that we have. So, so folks, th- th- that's just two of the races, right? Then you have the third. I mean, that's the big the, the big enchilada here. That's the uh, county executive race. Yeah. And and John, I'll tell you what, I I, I don't know what. To make of that, and I'll tell you why. Back in March, there was a poll that was put out by Pittsburgh Works. Yep. And Pittsburgh Works is a consortium of labor indi- labor unions and business. And they really just care about jobs. It's all you know, economics and things like that for them. Uh, but they had done a poll. And in that poll, John Weinstein was in front with 28%. Mike Lamb was at 24 I believe Sarah Anna Murata was at 17 yeah. Now, they just did a poll that came out, I think, a week ago. Okay? Uh, in that poll, they had Sarah Anna Murata at 32%, Weinstein and Lamb at 20 Fawcett was at 8 and I think he had 18% that were uh, undecided, okay? And when I talk to different folks, 
you know, they, I mean, folks associated with any of the campaigns and on that side, they complain about the poll. They complain about the people that were pulled the whole bit. Uh, so you can quibble about the numbers, but I think the one thing it's shown is that she certainly, Sarah Inamorato, certainly has the momentum in this race. Yeah. But I, you know, the, the other thing, when I was talking about the dark money from uh, special interest, you know, with the Dugan race, with the DA race, in her race, you know, the Working Families mm. Party out of New York has given her $250,000, okay? SEIU, with a, with, between SEIU and SEIU Healthcare, is into her for almost another $100,000, Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, and you have the city. Ed Ganey's administration is basically run by SEIU. Okay? And, and their whole focus is they're trying to take, I mean, they, they are chasing after UPMC because they want to unionize it because that's their pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. UPMC, you know, the state's largest employer, okay? You know, if they were able to unionize them, just think of the douche money they would get. <laughs> You know, there was a rumor out there. I saw something reported in the newspaper. Uh, I wasn't part of it, so I can't say for certain. But it was reported that Ed Ganey had walked away from $40 million that was on the table that UPMC had offered as payment in lieu of taxes because he's fixated on taking and union, unionizing those folks. So, I mean, folks, I, what, I, what, what I've just shared, hopefully you understand what it is that good law-abiding tax-paying citizens are up against. You have folks on county council who don't give a darn about you. They look upon you as just a piggyback, a piggy bank that they can take and loot for whatever it is they want to spend money on. I mean, uh, you know, Bethany Hallam, back in December, when we were doing the budget, the, the, the budget for this year, she was trying to stick $4.6 million into the budget specifically for assistant district attorneys and public defenders. It wasn't necessary. We already had the money was there. There was a collecting bargaining agreement that had been agreed to. So we defeated that, you know, and to, to my knowledge, those folks are getting those raises that were negotiated and we didn't have to put that money in it, but she didn't care. I asked specifically, where's that money coming from? What are we going to cut if you're going to take and move that money to add that additional money in there? She couldn't answer. She gave more money to CCAC. She took and, and told a falsehood. She misled the people on council by telling them that there was law that the county was supposed to pay 33% or one-third of the cost for CCAC uh, operation. So she managed to get past. They added like a $2 million amendment to the, to the budget. Well, you know what? When the act that created community colleges in 1963 was passed, that act envisioned that you know, you'd have a third, for a third and a third, a third from the yeah. county, third from the state, and third from the students. Yeah. But you know what? Not a single county... Not a single, not one in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is paying a third, okay? So it isn't law. It mm -hmm. isn't mandate. And, and the frustrating part is here's somebody that's willing, again, you know, to, to, to go after the taxpayer, all right, without concern for it. And, and what's even more incredulous, John, and I shared this on Twitter the other day, is she's not paying her own taxes. Yes. Okay? I mean, she owns three properties over in the 15212 area code, and— uh yeah, you know, she has not paid as, as of the other day. You know, she's delinquent in the property taxes on all this. So she's okay with doing that. And you mm -hmm. know what? One of her colleagues on county council who owes $56,000 in unpaid property taxes and fees, just she voted for the same thing. So, folks, this is what you're up against. You have people that will raise taxes by tens of millions of dollars. 
okay? But don't bother paying their own. At what point are we going to pay attention to what's happening here in this county and do something about it? I hope, I hope and pray that that's this year. So I'm going to climb off the sub box. <laughs> you know, the blood pressure is a little bit high. <laughs> take a deep breath. Yeah, I need to take a deep breath and everything like that. But, uh, but John, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that folks understood what was at stake here, here locally in, in this county, you know? So what do you think? Was that too rough? Too rough, John? Or do you think just enough? Was it like porridge, you know, here for the it shows, three bears? It, it shows passion. Passion. I'll, passion. Try, I'll try, man. It shows passion. It, it shows that you care deeply about what's happening in, in, in this county, not just as in your position as head of the RCAC, not just in your position as county council, but as a citizen, as someone who lives here and wants the best for everyone in the region. Daryl, how, how, how can you not, right? All of us here, we, we, we live here. Most of us pay taxes here, okay? Except for some of the folks I just outlined, <laughs> right? Uh, we raise our families here, okay? We, we just we want a place where we can have a good quality of life, you know, and where we can live and raise our families with, in safety, okay? Uh, and that's at all at stake here and at risk here. I, I mean, it's, you know, again, I people, folks, you hear this every election. People say this is the most important election of your lifetime, okay? And, you know, in the past... Again, it, many folks may have thought it was hyperbole, but folks, look at where we're at today. I mean, ha- have you ever seen things this bad? Okay. I mean, it's, ins- it's insane. We have homeless people. We have a homeless problem here in Allegheny County and the city of Pittsburgh, okay, that we can't fix now, right? We have crime. We have, I mean, there, the, John, there was a crime committed last week, at the beginning of last week. You had three juveniles beat a man almost to death downtown. Now, these kids were kicked out back out on the street laughing about it. Well, this guy was still on the operating table. Hmm. Okay, I'm telling you, you can't be more outraged. On Thursday in Allegheny County, Judge Mariani, in judge in common police court, he lets a guy go, convicted felon, okay, that was in possession of an AK-47, an AR-15, and a handgun, all right? And he kicks him back out on the street and he quits him, okay? Because he says, uh, well, they couldn't show his fingerprints, you know, on the guns. Well, you know, I don't know the details there, but maybe he was using a glove or whatever. But they were in his home, in his bedroom, in the side of his bedroom. Shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have had them, okay? So, you know, again, we have the left continuously calling every time there's a crime. They're calling for more restrictions and more laws to be passed on law-abiding gun owners, but yet no one's taking and actually prosecuting and holding accountable the people that are breaking their laws today. It's it's extremely frustrating. And, and like I said, Jared, or Daryl, you called it passionate. I don't know, passionate, outraged. Okay, but 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 I do care. When I was in sales and business. I'd go home every day after work, and and I always felt good about myself because I felt that somehow I actually helped solve someone's business problem that day. I helped, you know, streamline their workflow, you know, uh, create some efficiencies in their business, you know, improve their profit margins and things like that, right? Uh, Give their people, you know, an opportunity, a career path. 
different things, right? Sure. Uh, and I got involved here in government because I wanted to be able to help provide solutions to problems. Yeah, you took your experience from the private sector and went to parlay that to the public sector. No, I mean, pro- the different nature of the problems, but you, you're still at your core a problem solver. That's what you're able to establish during your business career. Now you try to translate to politics, and sometimes it's a little bit more frustrating. Well, it's frustrating because everybody's not on the same page in wanting to solve problems. Right. Some people just want to complain about things. Uh, yep, yep, yep. You know, yep, they, yep, yep. they just want to complain. They want the <laughs> he, issue. He said, okay? he said on talk radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Hey. Well, you know what? Listen, there are a lot of problems out there. I think we can solve some and move on to others. It still give us something to talk about, right? Yeah. But you, we don't have to keep the issues forever. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that's happening. I mean, you have folks. Uh, I will tell you this. The Allegheny County Jail gets a lot of press. Yeah. It's in the news a lot, okay? You know, I'd been down there five or six times. Is it perfect? No, okay? But I think the warden down there is doing the best job he can under very difficult circumstances. And I can tell you, I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that the jail is as bad as folks make it. It's just you have all, again, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You have these people out there complaining, you know, all the time. Have people passed away that have been in jail? Yes, you know what? People pass away every day that are out of jail. Okay, we lose approximately thirteen thousand five hundred people every year here in Allegheny County, and many of the people going to jail have drug problems and other health issues because they don't typically take care of themselves. Okay, so everything that happens out there isn't the fault of the jail, right? And the people that are in jail are there because they made conscious choices, poor choices, right, to get there, and they've harmed people in doing so. So. You know, listen, I could go on and on, but we don't have time for that. I have to wind this segment up here. In our next segment, we're going to be joined by Judge Carolyn Carluccio, a candidate for a Republican candidate for Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And we'll talk to her in just a few minutes. Folks, we'll be back in a few minutes right after we pay the bills here on The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM 99.1 FM Talk. The midterm elections are in the rearview mirror, and now it's time to start finding great school board candidates for 2023. Convince the right candidates to run using the Get Elected app for easy-to-understand voter data and analysis, canvassing tools, and more. Visit getelected.org and show them the path to victory. Get elected. Campaign with confidence. Folks, welcome back to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM 99.1 FM. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, and we're joined here today, or at this moment here in the second segment of our show, by Judge Carolyn Carluccio, President Judge of Montgomery County's uh, Common Police Court. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about Carolyn. She is the first woman President Judge in the third largest and busiest trial court in our Commonwealth. She has a deep ex- level of experience. She was a federal prosecutor, chief public defender, county solicitor, and president of her bar association. You know, for our Republican voters, Carolyn shares our conservative values and is the most qualified person to lead our ticket to victory in November. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. It's a pleasure to join you. It's a pleasure to have you here. So, I mean, you were in Allegheny County earlier. You know, uh, on Friday, I saw you Friday morning. You were here for a little kickoff. Uh, it was great to see you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, again, I, I, I'm excited. I think that you were going to have a resounding victory, you know, on Tuesday. But again, uh, you know, I'm biased. Tell me how you're feeling. (laughs) I feel great, Sam. I will say I've been out in the West again. I I was counting today. I think I've been in Pittsburgh nearly a dozen times. That's how important Pittsburgh is to me. And that's how the people in Pittsburgh that I have met 
they're such good people. They've been so supportive. Um, I've learned so much about the southwest and the northwest of our commonwealth. Uh, I'm just now leaving Johnstown. I was in Indiana County after I left Allegheny County, and I feel I feel great. I feel like the people of this commonwealth understand that we need balance in our Supreme Court, and they understand that I'm the person to bring that, and I'm happy to do it. Well, we're happy to have you. We think you're an exemplary candidate, okay? And we think you're the candidate to win in November, you know, and that's one of the reasons I agree why. With that. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons why the PA, uh, or excuse me, the Pennsylvania Republican Party, you know, endorsed you. And one of the reasons I believe that the Pennsylvania Bar Association rated you as highly recommended, correct? That both of those processes were very exhaustive and thorough. And so to receive those honors, it's really. I'm really, I feel very privileged to have that. Well, I, I think that's great. That, And again, I think it's a testament to the job that the Republicans on state committee did, you know, in vetting the candidates and determining who was the most qualified, okay? And, uh, you know, who could lead us to victory in November? Because it's important as Republicans that we take, and again, you're, we look to restore some sort of balance, you know, on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And state committee did their job so well. Um, I know that they learned a lot from last year, and I, I was just honored that they chose me overwhelmingly. No, absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, for our listeners, getting a rating from the Bar Association. What goes into that? So what happened is you need to turn over everything you've ever written as a judge, as a lawyer, even any writings that weren't necessarily legal in nature, they interview people that have appeared in front of you, people that were working with you, against you. They interview people, Sam, I didn't even know I knew uh, or who knew me. And, and that says a lot. They did, I cannot, they had a team of three lawyers, and I believe the entire group is 18 lawyers and non-lawyers that do the investigation, and they really look into you exhaustively. Um, and they also, then you appear before the Committee of 18, and they ask you questions. And they're not shy about their questions, but I found it a, a really wonderful process. I was thrilled to talk to them about my passion, which is the law, which is being a judge. And I was thrilled to be able to share with them a lot about my experience and what I hope to bring to the court. Well, and, and I, I think, again, it's a testament to the fact that all of these different bodies that have been examining your record and vetting you for this potential position uh, have all come to the same conclusion, that you are the most qualified Republican candidate for Pennsylvania Supreme Court here on the Republican ticket. You know, you're the only one that can actually serve a full term, you know, if elected. And uh, That's very true. And what that means, just so that your, your viewers understand, is that judges are elected to a 10-year term. And um, you will age out. At 75 years old, you can no longer sit, and you must step down and be a senior judge. So um, I, that's what you're referring to as, as serving a full term. Right, correct. So, um, you know, your opponent is unable to do that. And, again, just another reason why so many people are behind you, you know, in addition to the qualifications. I mean, you actually have the ability to fulfill, you know, the, the, the job here. So. Uh, you know, I, I I can't say that I'm looking forward to voting for you, but that's because I already did, you know, voted by mail here. So, uh, you know, you, Thank you. I appreciate that. yes, you, you got at least one vote here in Allegheny <laughs> County. And I, I kid there because we know it's been much more, you know, but 
But is there is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners? You know, as uh, as you enter these closing days of this campaign, I guess I'd like to tell them that they can feel confident that I've been a judge for 14 years, and I am a judge who is not an activist judge, but I understand the role of the judiciary, and I understand the three separate branches of government. And my branch is not the legislative branch. I will not be writing laws or policy. That is not my role. Uh, My role is to follow the law and to uphold our Constitution, and I promise that that's the judge I will be. And I look forward to earning each one of the votes that I'll get, on Tuesday, and I hope to earn them once again come November. Well, if we're fortunate enough to have you as our nominee, and will you elect you in November, <clears throat> are you able to take to the Supreme Court maybe some knickknacks you can give to your Democrat colleagues that let them know <laughs> that there are three branches of government and that the Supreme Court or the courts are not the legislative branch as well? I mean, that that's so, one of the things that's frustrated Republicans statewide for the past it, four or five years. It's so funny you say that, because I actually teach civics. I've been volunteering for 10, 10 years in sixth grade in the Norristown Area School District. And I joke sometimes, but it's very serious, that the sixth graders understand the three branches of government and the separation between the three better than some people I work with. And that's <laughs> actually a very sad statement, but it's true. Well, isn't it? I think, you know, and this gets back to Republicans' view on public education, you know, I think we've gotten so far away uh, with all the different tests the Department of Education put in place where they want to benchmark where people are in so many of the school districts because money, you know, and funding relies on test results and scores. You know, they spend so much time teaching to the test that so many of the things that used to get taught in schools, like civics, you know, history, you know, many of those things are given short shrift now, you know, if at all. And, and that's very concerning to many of us, you know, out here on the on the, on the conservative side. Yeah, and, and civics is just one of those things I knew I could help with. Um, we actually started a program through our bar association the year before I was president. We did it, and we've been doing it consistently until COVID. And I think it has really been a boon, not only for the children, but also for all the lawyers and judges that, that participate in it. And I'm really proud of that program. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, hey, you know, I just touched on a few things there, okay, right? I said you were a former federal prosecutor, chief public defender, county solicitor, and president of the Bar Association. Is there anything else about your background, about your experience that you'd like our listeners to know? Well, I can tell you a little bit about my background, just my family, my upbringing. Uh, my father is 92 years old. He's still oh, going to work him. every day that he yeah, every day that he can, he's working. He is battling stage four cancer, and he's doing it very proudly and very aggressively because he wants to see his daughter get on the Supreme Court. Um, he's a first-generation Italian. I get so much of who I am from him, honestly. I get my, my work, my work ethic, my drive, my energy. Uh, my mother is a very proud Irish woman, and I get from her my ability to argue, to litigate, um, I have an uncle who's a judge, so I get that a little bit honestly. And uh, without them, they, they have been the backbone. We, we always went to church together. We always had dinner together. Family values and faith were very important to us and always doing the right thing. And, and having learned that from my parents, I think says a lot about who I am. It's how my husband and I raised our three boys. And uh, it's 
it's been a really good formula, and I'm really proud of um, of my family, of my parents, and where I came from. Well, you know, one of the things you and I have in common is we're both Italian on our paternal side, our father's side, yeah, and Irish on the mother's. You know, so, <laughs> so cooking you know, wasn't quite as good, right? Yeah, so you're a sister from another mother here. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know? So yeah, so no, listen, I, I, Judge, we are very excited to have you running here for uh, Supreme Court and looking forward to you not just winning next Tuesday, but winning in November. And we're going to do everything we can here in Allegheny County to support you. I mean, you know that uh, we're all family, okay? And anything that you need, you know, we're going to do our best to provide. And we hope our listeners understand that and support you as well. I have to tell you, you have made me feel like family. And for that, I am so grateful and the people of Allegheny County, uh, you hit it on the head. I, I just feel like I belong, and I thank you all for that. I thank you all for your support, your vote come Tuesday, and your vote in November. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, Judge, uh, listen, I know you're on the campaign trail. You're in the car. I want to thank you for joining oh, yeah. us. I'll let you get back to happy trails. Travel safely, and talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Have thank a great day. Bye. You <clears throat> So, John, was it great? I mean, we heard from uh, Judge Corluccio today. You know, we saw her in Pittsburgh or in Allegheny County yesterday. Uh, I'm very excited about her candidacy and looking forward to her winning, hopefully, here on Tuesday. Yeah, me, me too. She was fabulous at our office at our event earlier today. Um, great turnout by our our folks. Yeah, I appreciate the volunteers that came oh. out on a Friday. At 9 a.m. You know, we're a little bit different than the other side, okay? Uh, and by that, I mean uh, many of us have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, So it's difficult 9 o'clock on a Friday morning, right, to get a big crowd yeah. you know, for a rally or things like that. But I do want to thank and appreciate uh, all the folks that were able to come out and, Megan Martin, and did attend. And, and, and oh, Megan real, Martin and Maria Batista was yeah, there? Yeah. Yes, yes. Great slate. So we had everybody but the slate except Harry Smale, right. Judge Smale, but Judge Smale was in court in Westmoreland County. So, I mean, he, certainly he gets uh, – you know, he, he has an excused absence, yeah. right? So, But they're traveling the state, folks. They're trying to close this out strong. And again, uh, if you haven't voted yet and you're going to the polls and you're a Republican, please vote for hey. Carolyn Carluccio for Supreme Court, uh, Harry Smale and Maria Batista for Superior Court, and Megan Martin for Commonwealth Court on Tuesday. And we should probably provide some guidance if you're still holding a mail-in ballot. Well, sure. if you have one in there, I mean, you can deliver it downtown, obviously up to Election Day. Uh, at this point, it might be a little too late if you put it in the mail, but you can deliver it downtown, or you could, if you're able then to get to the polls on Tuesday, you can surrender it. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's important that folks understand that there is, uh, and let me see if I can find it here, but there is a drop box. On like Ross Street, I think. Well, it's, it's Ross and Forbes. Ross and Forbes. It's at the county office building, okay? And there are folks down there to be able to take and, uh, you know, help you get your ballot there. And if I find it, John, you know, I'll bring it up and I'll tell you what the hours are. But uh, that's what I would advise. You cannot, you can take your entire ballot to the polls, but they won't accept it. But if you turn the entire ballot, you know, the outside envelope, the secrecy envelope, and the ballot into your judge of elections, they'll give you another ballot and allow you to vote there, Okay. Uh, but otherwise, you have to take it to the Dropbox uh, to be able to get this thing to count. Yeah, and being it's here uh, Saturday, you know, I wouldn't necessarily take the risk 
a drop it in the mail and hoping it gets there by Tuesday if you want it to count. Okay, always a concern. But hey, let me update some folks here on what's happening in regards to the election on Tuesday. Okay, received the communication earlier today <clears throat> from County uh, Director of Communications Amy Downs, and she was talking about uh, you know arrangements for media candidates and parties. But all 1,324 precincts in the county will be open on Tuesday, May 16th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Now, this number has increased by one since the last election as Jefferson Hills Borough added a precinct. You know, Lisa and those folks got their wish. They added a precinct. Voters in line at 8 p.m. will be allowed to vote, okay? Now, first-time voters at a poll will be required to show ID. This is federal law. Mm Mm-hmm. And voters are using paper ballots, and they'll feed those in to the precinct-level scanners to cast their vote. For any folks that are uh, under the American for Disabilities Act voters, they will use a touchscreen ballot marking device to create the ballot, which is then printed and fed into that same scanner to cast their vote. Once the polls close, two memory sticks that contain the vote information are transported to a regional center where the data from one of those sticks is transmitted to the county warehouse over a hardwired county network line. Now, all the polling places, John, will have three to five poll workers, a judge of elections, a majority and minority inspector, and clerks as needed. Polling places may also have a constable, and if so, the constable is the first line of enforcement or dispute resolution, okay? Folks, please, when you go to vote, I mean, let's go in and vote. We don't need to have conflicts or fights at the polls, you know, uh, if there's a problem, you know, we're going to give you a number you can call, okay? Now, nearly 6,300 poll workers have been confirmed for Election Day with judges of elections already assigned at each of the 1,324 precincts. In addition to the poll workers, we also have a bench of workers if individuals call off, get ill, or have some other need. Now, John, in addition to the poll workers, the county utilizes additional staff as polling place coordinators. Yeah, they're called roamers in many cases, okay? But these folks make rounds through assigned areas in support of the judges and poll workers. So some of those tasks that they provide, they can provide include addressing issues, providing reminders, adding additional supplies, fixing equipment, and anything else that a polling place may need. Now, in regards to security, the Allegheny County Sheriff's Office is responsible for security at polling places, and the Sheriff's Office is an independently elected countywide offices. Now, candidates are entitled to have two poll watcher certificates for every polling place in which their name is on the ballot, but no more than one person per candidate may be in the polling place at any one time. Please, if you're a candidate and you have poll watchers, please pay attention to that so we don't end up having any conflicts or disputes at the polls. I, I expect that the county will issue email updates on election day, as they have done for other elections. <clears throat> You'll probably get one out at 7 a.m. when the polls open. Another around 8.30 a.m. with any morning updates. A third around lunchtime. One at 4.30 p.m. or so. And at 8 p.m. when the polls close. And then, again, when election results are first uploaded. Additional updates will be sent out throughout the day with any other emergent issues or updates. And the same information will be posted on the election's website. So, folks, there's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff here. A lot of information to be shared. Also, something else to know. There are no, there is no photography or video allowed of the canvassing and pre-canvassing process. So if you're an authorized observer down at the warehouse, you do have the ability to view what's going on there. You have the ability through the overhead monitors to be able to see what's taking place throughout the warehouse, but you are not allowed to take and film, 
or, or, or video that or take photographs. So, John, that's just a little bit about the uh, plans and the things that are in place for our election. I look forward to hopefully, you know, a uh, problem-free, you know, uh, primary election here. Uh, David Boyd, the director of elections, he anticipates the turnout being around 30%. We'll see if that is indeed, in fact, you know, how close he is to that. He'll just get an attaboy if he's correct. <laughs> he doesn't doesn't actually win anything. You know, maybe someone, uh, maybe the new board of elections, right, can maybe take him a stuffed animal or something yeah. if he's close like they do at the carnivals, okay? But, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's picked the number 30%. We'll see what happens, but... Uh, and Sam, I do have the election hotline number here. I'll share okay. here. So I mean, Please. Uh, the Pennsylvania Republican Party legal team and a panel of seasoned uh, Pennsylvania attorneys will be in Harrisburg. They'll be available from 6 a.m. on Tuesday and as late as they need to be to deal with any issues. That number is 877-724-6720. Again, that's 877-724-6720. Sean, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, so <clears throat> folks, if you have a problem, those are the people to call. And then they'll reach out directly to the counties and get our folks involved. And we have attorneys here. So if something isn't able to be resolved at the precinct level, okay, and you've reached out to them, uh, we actually will have attorneys standing by to be in election court to be able to address it if there's a problem. So, Daryl, are, are you going to be happy when the primary is over? Do you think you'll get how much of a break do you think you actually get between uh, political commercials on television? It's, I mean, it's it's always interesting to see, like, because like, you know, Greg and I talk about this on our morning show, the on, on the weekdays. We're, we're more mm-hmm. about the sport of politics, right? We're not really, really right. so much about the left or the right. It's just it's the game of it, which mm-hmm. is why these conversations you have every week here on the show are fascinating because you're in you're in the weeds. I mean, not only are you are you an actual uh, you know f- official uh, politically, but you're also as of the RCAC, you guys are, are right in the weeds in terms of in terms of the strategy. Every week you talk strategy about you know the the, the most optimal way to deploy personnel in certain places and things like that. And I mean, the game is always fun for for me. I mean, sometimes the result may not be what you want, sometimes it is, but the game is is is, is something that's really fascinating. Oh no, yeah, and, and it's, I think <laughs> it gets in your blood. Oh yeah, you know, what I mean, I, you know, folks talk about getting involved with things and it becoming a passion. I mean, it really does. It gets in your blood. And, and you know, I, I got involved in this, and I know John as well, yeah. just because, you know, all we care about is making something a little bit better. Sure. Yeah. You know, that we found it. And we want the community in which we live in to be the best it can be. And, uh, you know, it's just frustrating when you see things going in the wrong direction. You know, I brought up things before. I was talking about in the first segment about homelessness. Right. You know, and all these different challenges we have in public safety. You know, uh, I am not, you know, we talk about climate change. Okay. Um it is not settled science. You know, it is open for debate as to how much of an impact, you know, uh, man has, you know, on the climate here. I saw there was a, um, I'm trying to think what senator it was. It may have been, oh, I think it was Senator John Kennedy was questioning the, uh, one of the uh, folks from the Biden administration. And he's saying, you know, if, how much would we spend? How much is this, this war or, you know, this, uh, how to say it, war on climate change or what the Biden administration, their solution to address this could spend? And the guy couldn't give him a number. So then he asked him, well, what would be the impact? Guy couldn't give him a number. He said, if we spend $50 trillion, $50 trillion on this, he said, what kind of impact is that going to have on the temperature, right? Guy couldn't give him a number, okay? Now, I throw this out here, okay, because what if we took some of that money and instead of throwing it away, you know, trying to chase and subsidize green energy industries, which don't actually provide the energy, right? Mm. And, and move that to addressing homelessness. Move that 
to addressing mental illness. Move that to addressing, uh, you know, affordable housing, okay, uh, a crime, right? I mean, and it's like we, we, we spend a tremendous amount of money now. We have the money. We just don't spend it the right way, you know? And, uh, you know, again, you look at the southern border and you look at what's happening here. We're not solving problems. We're creating problems here. And, and it's, it's just, it, it's, it's extremely frustrating for the casual observer, for anybody, again, who is just looking to solve problems. You know, you know, folks say, well, you're not compassionate. Well, I'm very compassionate. Do you think it's compassionate to allow these people to be exploited by the cartels? To have these children be exploited by human traffickers? You know, to be uh, you know, put into slavery almost, right? Uh, used in, in, in child pornography and, and, and sex trafficking. I mean, uh, is that compassionate? No. But what we've done is we've allowed these folks to come here, okay, under the guise that, hey, don't worry, you'll be able to get in. And these people, they're, they're, they're being sold, you know, a mirage, it's, it's being told that, oh, you could come here and all this stuff's going to be waiting for you. And it's not, right? Their lives aren't necessarily going to be better, okay? It's just, it's, so it's frustrating for folks like myself who believe in the rule of law, you know, who believe in trying to work together to try to solve our problems, right? To sit there and watch what's taking place and to deal with it. So, you know, I don't know, guys, you know, uh, next Tuesday. But when we talk on the show next week, We'll be going over a lot of the results from the uh, primary election, and that'll be interesting to talk about, see, you know, who won, you know, and, and, and more so on Democratic results, you know, and their elections and county executive race, DA's race, council, things like that. And then also, we might be able to talk a little bit about what the effect the dark money had, you know, on those races. And actually, we, we always have very special guests on our show, but uh, I think Scott Pressler might be joining us on the show next week, so... Oh, wow. Yeah. I'd love to have Scott. You know, folks, Scott, how would you, how would you characterize? I mean, this guy is like, Scott is like the Johnny Appleseed (laughs) of registering Republican voters here in this, uh, in this country. Okay. And this guy does, I mean, he is out there selflessly working again. He doesn't care about the candidates. Yeah. He cares about the country. Yeah. All right. And he is busting his rear end traveling across the country, you know, working with whomever will listen, talking to them about how to legally harvest yeah. these mail-in ballots, you know, working with folks like here in Pennsylvania. And he was here just a couple months ago. He's a good guy uh, to try to educate some of our folks on the need to vote by mail, to get those votes in. Because again, how many times do I have to say that you can't allow your opponent to have 50 days to get his vote out yeah. and relegate yourself to 13 hours and then think you're going to win, Okay. So all of you folks out there, anybody out there that hears this, don't call me up after the election and complain if you didn't go out and vote. Yeah. Okay? He is doing two events here in Allegheny County actually next week, the day after the election. He'll be at Mount Lebanon. I think that's at like 6.30 and then another event in Murraysville on the following day on the 18th. Do we have that information on our website? It's on our website. Or it's on our Facebook page and it will, we'll put it on the mixture. Okay, there. so you can go to the Republican Committee of Allegheny County's Facebook page. It's definitely on there. And you will and you can find the information about Scott Pressler's appearance. And, and I look forward to him coming here. Uh, again, the guy just does a tremendous amount of work. It's selfless. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate his efforts. Folks, th- these shows go so fast. You know, let me just, just share with you here. As we try to prepare for these shows, sometimes John and I are like, what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> right? Do we have a guest? We're going to get somebody the whole bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as you can tell, there's no shortage of things to talk about. And, you know, we're trying to do our best 
to try to make it interesting, to help inform you in some way, shape, or form, and let you know what's happening here in regards to the elections. Or, you know, we've talked about crime and homelessness and other things on this show. And we've also given you a chance to get to know some of the candidates and to do so in more than just the quick sound bites you see on the evening news. So, folks, until next week, this is Sam DeMarco signing off for the elephant in the room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. See you next week.